welcome to Conveyancing Matters with Lorraine and Stu. Join us for a chat about all things property. Hello, hello. Hi there, guys. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Hey. Hello, Leah. Hello, how are you doing? Good, thank you. Well, thanks, Leah, ever so much for joining us on this Conveyancing Matters chat. Um, I'll tell people a tiny bit about you and then ask you to tell people a bit more about you because, um, Leah, we do these Conveyancing Matters chats every week and they are, um, you know, about and for mostly property lawyers and everything property related. And the one that Stu and I did a few weeks ago on just the enormous pressure that conveyancers, conveyancing lawyers, support staff, paralegals, you name it, uh, the, the amount of pressure that people are under at the moment, just with the volume of work, the, the log jams and everything else is quite extraordinary. And um, clearly, therefore, you know, people's mental health is, is, is a really, really big deal. And it's, it's something that I think we all need to you know, actively be conscious about. And with your background, I mean, I really only have, you know, know you via LinkedIn. But um, one of the things, Leah, that really interests me about you is the fact that, you know, you're a lawyer uh, and it's, the, it's that that brought you to, um, to what you do now and, uh, and, you know, having sort of left the, left the law to, to help the rest of us, really. So perhaps, Leah, before we sort of jump into how difficult conveyancing is right now, do you want to tell our, our lovely watchers, um, you know, who you are and a bit about your background and, and how you've got to searching for serenity, which I think is really interesting. <laughs> Absolutely. So my background, as you said, is I was a lawyer. I was called to the Bar of England and Wales in 2007. I'm to count backwards in my head now. 2007, I worked as a paralegal from 2006 until 2012 when I cross-qualified to become a solicitor. First half of my career I specialised in personal injury and on qualification I cross-qualified to specialise in contentious probate, so contested wills, trusts and estates and mental capacity law and I ended my career um, working at a top 25 law firm in their court of protection department running their high value traumatic brain injury work essentially. Unsurprisingly when I say all of that there was a fair amount of stress in my job and I actually experienced my own issues with burnout around 2014, 2015. And I left law for an indefinite career break in 2017 to run Searching for Serenity, but I'd actually been running it for a year beforehand whilst working at the top 25 law firm, dealing with all of this high value work. Basically because 2014, 2015, sitting in the toilets, crying whilst Googling, why am I so exhausted all the time? And the word burnout came up. And the advice I was given at that point everything that I could read was if you've burned out you can't handle stress and you need to go and live a stress-free life and of course I'm sitting there thinking are you freaking well kidding me I'm a litigation lawyer how am I going to live a stress-free life um actually it was rubbish it's not true burnout is completely and um, entirely manageable and reversible and I talk about imposter syndrome and lots of other things that come into it but what I do now basically is work with individuals and with law firms and other companies to help their staff identify issues, to have an awareness before it goes wrong. And if it's beginning to go wrong, to manage and reverse it. So basically I'm the person that I wish somebody had been there for me five years ago. Uh, so this year, I mean, can you imagine if that was the advice we were giving? You just need to go and live a stress-free life in 2020. That would be hilarious, wouldn't it? Never mind work. Well, it, it, would it. Be, it would be ridiculous, Leo, and thank you for that. 
one of the things I sort of struggle with generally is, um, you know, in terms of trying to sort of, you know, manage stress or manage your daily workload or whatever is if someone says, oh, well, you know, go and have a walk every lunchtime. Well, actually, no, that just, you know, that sort of just isn't what, you know, fits in with and suits me. But so nope. Stu, perhaps you could, um, you know, give Leah a, you know, a bit of a bit of a flavour about the sort of, you know, the misery that our conveyancing colleagues are, are experiencing at the moment. I'm sorry, I shouldn't laugh, but it's absolutely accurate, I think. Yeah, it, yeah it, I mean, look, let's not beat around the bush. You know, we don't do these sort of, um, you know, these shows just to, you know, skirt over these issues. I, I think, you know, everybody is well aware that anybody working within this industry is, is probably, you know, the levels of stress are probably more than they've ever been, certainly in the 25 years that I've been involved in the profession. Um, I can't ever remember a time where the guys are under so much pressure. And I think the misconception or what people don't quite often understand is one of the reasons I think they, they, they suffer such a, a high amount of stress is because at the end of the day, they are literally trying to do their very best for yeah. their clients. And that's yeah. often the, the point which is really lost. So, you know, when those clients may be unhappy or where the level of expectation is so high and, and maybe unrealistic, you know, they generally, certainly in my practice, get upset. Um, and their stress levels, you know, are, uh, you know, uh, an all time high because of that. You know, they are literally just trying to do their very best for their clients. And whilst, you know, they're having to work under such circumstances where, you know, we've discussed before, all sort of third parties to the transaction are causing delays and, and whatnot. We're the people that unfortunately have to break that news to the client. We're at the, mm. the forefront of, of what they're doing. And of course, often we're the ones that get it in the neck. Yeah, absolutely. And we've seen sort of all over it, LinkedIn and, you know, other, other sort of law firms, whether it be, you know, in England, in Ireland, you know, suffering the same kind of thing. So it's definitely a matter that, that needs to be brought to the forefront. Absolutely. And I think one of the biggest issues here is I know that none of us really say it. I know it's a bit cliche to say it, but none of us got into this, frankly, for the money. There are much better things we could do for the money. None of us got into it for the glamour and the prestige. Again, much easier things that we could do for that. We got into it because we wanted to make a difference because we saw a way of either easing a process for people or we saw a way of doing it better. We saw, we all have that dopamine hit when we do a piece of work for somebody and they're happy. And so to have that fall off a cliff edge this year because everybody is unhappy, is incredibly difficult and there are far too many lawyers I know whose entire self-worth is wrapped up with doing a good job. We are defined, the first thing we say is, hi my name's Leah and I'm a lawyer and everything else comes second to that unfortunately, rightly or wrongly in our poor families but that is what happens. So when our self-worth is tied up with our work, with doing a good job, with a perfectionist streak quite often and that falls off a cliff edge because of things completely beyond our control that leaves us feeling completely helpless and overwhelmed and not sure where to go and that's on top of clients screaming and some of the highest volume workloads that anybody's ever had and oh yeah everything changing five minutes here five minutes there everything is different so it's it's stress on a level that people have not experienced for a very long time, definitely. I think also, Leah, and that's a really interesting point, and certainly something I've experienced, frankly, both personally and, you know, because I've taught so many people across the years. 
and some of the best and you know the best sessions I have is with you know the, the sessions I do for paralegals and support staff and I a long time ago um, insisted that I didn't have their their bosses or qualified people in those sessions because those people very much need a safe space in which mm. to learn but um, I, I think if you add into that mix and of course you know Stu would be the noticeable exception that um, you know lawyers you know they don't generally don't make good managers um you know again and, and people don't go into the law to manage people to follow up your point yeah. lawyers end up managing people just because they go further up the food chain and frankly some of the rudest most pig ignorant unpleasant people i've ever come across have been some of the people i've worked with and for um i should name no names and to be <laughs> fair they might say the same about me i hasten to add um, but I think if you add that into the mix, and what I've, I'd really welcome your view, perhaps on behalf of others, Leah, about how how people can be helped to manage this, you know, this th these issues. When at the end of the day, you know, people need their jobs, and right now, in the midst of a global pandemic, people need their jobs, and 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 people have got to go to work and deal with this and deal with their terrible bosses because they've got to pay the mortgage every month. So again, this idea that we'll all just sort of go off to a retreat and do a bit of yoga and it'll all be fantastic and we'll all, you know, tiddle off into the sunset and, you know, get another career, I think is nonsense. People need, mm -hmm. you know, people need their jobs and they can't just go and do other things. So yeah. how, how can people manage that? What strategies can people adopt, Leah? Yeah, well, that's exactly where I come from. This is why I actually ran Searching for Serenity for a year whilst I was a lawyer, because I wanted to be able to say hand on heart, this works. If I can do it and do all of this, this does work. Um, and you're absolutely right. We need brilliant lawyers. We need brilliant medical professionals, brilliant teachers. So the idea that we can all go and retrain in something and work three hours a week is just ridiculous to me. Um, <laughs> I would love to say that I'm only working three hours a week in my business that is not the case um the first thing is that it i think it comes back to that point i said where our ego is bound up in our work mm -hmm. if you are only a good person when you're doing a good job you are putting a whole hell of a lot of pressure on other people to never complain to never give you i don't know a constructive feedback for example um and so it's paying attention to what we can control and what we can't we're not very good at this as a class of people, by the way. No. Um, we like to think that we can control the entire world and any problem can be fixed. And the fact of the matter is it can't. Uh, every day I have to work with people where I say, this is, we have this big stress issue and over here are all the things that we can do something about and over here are all the things we can't. I can't change gender issues. I can't change the fact that last Friday was equal pay day. I can't change systemic race issues. What I can do is help you to be more resilient, to not tie things up unnecessarily with other people and to be able to know when you've done a good job. So for example, I will always ask clients to come away at the end of each working day and just reflect back and say, what did I do today that went well? Because for example, in litigation, I used to wait until the end of a claim to figure out if I'd done a good job. You know, if you haven't got that moment in court, you've not won. Well, hold on a minute. Contentious probate claims run from anywhere from six months to 10 years or more. That's a long time to wait to be okay. So what have I done today that's good? Where have I tried to improve things? Where have I made a good connection? Without there needing to be a gold star from somebody else 
or a feedback form that's five out of five. That's one of the first places to start. I think it's also incredibly important just to have this awareness and to be able to start pulling apart the threads of this is what I have control over and this is what I'm going to try and do about it. And these things are beyond my control and it's very much like the stoic philosophy. I'm going to work on the things I can control and things that are beyond my control I'm not going to worry about or at least I'm going to try not to worry about. I'm going to try not to let me affect me. Now obviously that's difficult and obviously they do affect you to some extent but doing everything that you can to protect yourself to do the very best job that you can and for it to be okay and that means it always means starting with taking care of yourself that does not mean as we were saying earlier going out for a 10 minute walk at lunchtime to kick the leaves and feel all blissful and like you're out of a magazine shoot it really frustrates me when people circulate those kind of tips in a firm you know i know you're all stressed but please try and take at least a 10 minute lunch break and not work until midnight gee thanks didn't think about that we're not stupid it's not about the things you do it's about the things you are it's about the things that you feel and it's about the way that you talk to yourself um, and i can give you the biggest self-help checklist in the world but if you don't believe any of it if you don't believe that you're worth it until somebody says well done good job if you are dealing with an incredibly bad manager who doesn't know how to praise and doesn't understand the three positive pieces for everyone negative then you need to take care of yourself and it it's really important to make sure that that goes beyond a simple checklist it goes beyond kicking the leaves or going for a 10 minute walk or actually eating a sandwich at lunchtime which is more than i know most people are doing at the moment so those are oh, that's really really interesting leah Stu, i wonder if within bound within that um you know that those elements there again one of the big stresses that you know i know you and your team experience is the you know it's just the you know the comments from clients so you know perhaps you'd i think yeah i think what's really difficult at the moment is where we're now so accessible um mm -hmm. with online platforms whether it be social media review sites um you know we are and can be tracked down by our clients by people that are not happy and, and actually not necessarily just our clients you know i mean i would hasten to say that 50 percent of the reviews we receive that are negative are not actually our clients leaving that review that's interesting where you say you know things you can and can't control well obviously that's something we can't um but it's, i still think it's very very difficult isn't it you know from my perspective when i've built up the practice over a number of years you know and historically you've had praise you've had this you've had that to then receive negative comments. It's yeah. difficult not to take it at heart, whether you can control it or not. And certainly from a managerial point, you know, I'm sort of quite protective to a degree over our staff. But it's so difficult yeah. when people might track them down over social media, may, you know, leave comments on review sites that are entirely inaccurate. It's very, very difficult. And I think historically, you know, with say review sites, we used to just, you know, reply to every comment and things like that. But you are sort of entering to a point now where we're almost like litigating sort of reviews online. It's, it's become sort of a crazy scenario. Yeah. Um, but it's very, very difficult. I find with, you know, the accessibility that, that clients and, and anybody else now has to the people that work here and will work on their matters. Mm. It's really frustrating, isn't it? Because particularly with social media, everybody has been handed a megaphone and a soapbox, but not everybody should be stood on one. 
Um, and I think we've seen that a lot this year with the proliferation of um, certain conspiracy theories, political viewpoints, you know, there's everything has become more amplified. Um, and it's certainly the case that not everybody should have a platform, but they do. So we have to manage that. And that's where it comes back to that things you can control and things that you can't. If you know it's a fake review, you can get it removed or you can take action on it. If you know that somebody is just venting their spleen because actually their conveyance came about because their marriage imploded in lockdown, then you know, you have this moment where you can hold it up and say, well, okay, they're angry and yes, they're taking it out on me, but it's not my fault. I didn't create this. And I think it's really important to have that distinction, to be able to look at something and say, is it objectively true? Did I mess up on this one? Is there something I can learn from it? And that's really key as well. As lawyers, we tend to be perfectionists. We tend to think everything needs to be done brilliantly, but actually it's baked right into the, the, the grading system and hourly rates, the concept that we should learn and grow over time, that we'll get better and faster and we'll understand things more easily over time. So what I know yesterday, what I knew yesterday, I'm going to improve on tomorrow, you know? So, where there is feedback, even if it's not necessarily constructive, we can look at it and say, okay, what could I have done better? Is it simply a case of I was completely overworked and I dropped the ball on something? I'm not going to kill myself over that. I'm not going to beat myself up forever. If it's objectively just not true, I'm going to stick it in the bucket. I don't care. This is somebody who clearly needs some kind of help <laughs> and shouldn't be coming to a conveyancer about it. Trying to vent this being online. I'm just going to move on. If it's got some level of subjectivity, you know, yeah, okay, they've got a point, it's not well put forward and clearly they're angry, but there is something I can learn from here. I'm gonna mark it. I don't have time or capacity to necessarily learn everything right now, but if it's something that I can pick up and run with, great, because I learn and improve every single day. And if it's absolutely justified, mea culpa, okay? I made a mistake. And now we move on. Yeah, I guess interesting, isn't it? So you know, it's that it's that again, it's that lawyer thing, isn't it? Because if it's if it's if it's true and it's justified and we've made a mistake, well, you know, we've all got to do you know, we've got to do something about it anyway. But um, yeah. oh, what was I? I was, oh, I just had a question in my mind, Leah. What was I going to say? It was going to be about recognizing recognizing things in ourselves, mm -hmm. um, client expectations. That's the difficult thing, isn't it, for me at the moment, is sort of the, the level of expectation that clients have. And, um, mm. we, you know, in the last sort of two weeks, we've had um, clients and, and, and um, people that are not clients of ours threatening to come down the office and run people over. You know, we've, we've had all sorts of... That's not an expectation. No, That's ridiculous. But, but, yeah, we've had... I cannot put it into context, the level of sort of... Uh, clients stress okay um which could be due to the current sort of climate i don't know um, and their expectation and and how that's passed on to us and you know it's weird when we talk about social media earlier you know we, I've, I've gone on sort of people that have left comments on social media that have, have really sort of laid into some of our staff that have said real hurtful and um personal attacks and yet maybe say six months a year ago they were on social media commenting on, say, the press and how 
unfair they were to Caroline Flack and look what can happen if you say these things and yet mm. they're doing the same thing only a year later to our members of staff and that's where it's really difficult as an employer um, you know mm. trying to take into account how how our guys must feel and, and the irony of a lot of these sort of scenarios are that when you actually look into the matter um, you know the clients getting regular updates and and you know on, on this one particular instance I'm referring to client didn't have their mortgage offer um, now normally you think well I'll take a step back here are we managing their expectation are we telling them you know are we educating them and, and quite clearly all throughout the process you know, we're telling them that they need to get the mortgage off, they need to rely on their financial advisor. It's not something we do. But trying to get those points across, I think there's a massive mm. element of don't care, don't care, need to blame somebody, and that's what I'm going to do. Mm. I have a different viewpoint on that. Go on. So the first thing here is um, there were studies that were carried out in the Chinese lockdown. So bear in mind, we are in lockdown 2.0 as we record this, right? Um, in the Chinese lockdown, they carried out a survey on 7,200 people living through the lockdown and found that there was a 30%, I think it was, increase in generalised anxiety disorder symptoms, um, nearly 20% in depression and 18% in insomnia. And these were people who did not have these symptoms before. So we're talking a one-third leap in mental health issues just through living through lockdown. If we take that, first we'll apply it to ourselves <laughs> because we're not really kind enough to ourselves about this but then apply it to everybody that we're dealing with you've had a 50 percent jump in work and a 30 percent jump in mental health issues in the clients that you're dealing with that's going to cause a lot of issues there's two things that i talk about a lot here which are noise and friction so noise very much like when you're sitting in an open plan office you're trying to concentrate you're trying to get something done but the phones are going and the photocopy is going and the kettle's boiling and you just can't focus, right? And friction is when we're trying to move towards something, much like a car driving down the road, we're trying to push all the energy to moving forward, but so much of the energy is being dissipated in heat and resistance. Well, if you think about those two things this year, we have a hell of a lot of noise and a hell of a lot of friction. Constant BBC, you know, at this point, every time the BBC News app pops up on my phone, my heart drops. And the last time I experienced that was when I used to do a legal advice helpline. And to this day, when I hear the Nokia ringtone, I feel nauseous because it used to go off at 2am and it's only a couple of kind of calls at 2am. Um, we have a lot of noise. We have a lot of friction. We have a situation in which, certainly in other um, cultures, but there is no reason to think it would be any different here, but there's been a massive leap in mental health issues just distinctly caused by the lockdown. Now, if you think when you usually have a client who is experiencing an anxiety disorder or depression or insomnia, just from us right now, it's half eight. How much more difficult is it to take on board information when we're a little bit tired and the coffee's not kicked in? How much more difficult is it to take on board information and to accurately process when we're under extreme stress? That applies to us as well as our clients. So there is a lot of what we would normally class as bad behavior that I would almost rephrase as emotional leakage. It is people, people are water balloons and they, don't, they haven't quite popped yet, but there's a couple of leaks being sprung. And unfortunately we're the ones getting drenched by it um, because it's easier. They can't scream at their families. They have to live with them and 24 seven at the moment, they can't scream at the people they'd usually scream at. They don't have the usual coping mechanisms. This year, we've had brand new stressors, things that cause us stress, such as 
a pandemic, such as nightly news conferences, determining how we live our lives, having to live in lockdown. We've had an amplification of our previous stressors, high volume, low control, um, people kicking off as, uh, as at work, you know, all of the things that normally come along, but they've been turned up the volume. And then all of our coping mechanisms disappeared. How many people usually cope with stress by going to the gym, by going out for drinks with friends, by sitting down and talking with people who are outside of their family over a pint or over a coffee? How many people usually deal with stress by getting their hair or nails done? I have no nails right now. It's very stressful to me. Um, and when we look at it through that context, we can see all of these kind of layers. It's like an old fashioned dining room table. You've got all the layers of veneer. The person we knew six months ago or a year ago is underneath all of that. But we've got noise, we've got friction, we've got a potential amplification in mental health issues. We've got high volume, low control. We've got new stressors. We've got a lack of coping mechanisms. Is it any wonder we're experiencing what we're experiencing right now in that context? So Leah, then perhaps to um, conclude, because I could listen to you talking all day, um, because, well, I suppose a couple of things to threads to bring out of that really, because, uh, and I actually, to be fair, certainly recognize this in myself, um, but, you know, there is that, um, and I hate to use the word, but there is still, I think, that general sort of stigma, certainly within the legal profession, of not admitting within the workplace that you're not coping it, it, on any mm. level, because that is just mm. seen as a sign of weakness, I think. Or again, and mm. I have definitely felt this, you just feel, I have to cope, I have to do it, you know, because my job might be under threat. Um, again, harking back to the terrible manager thing. Um, yeah. but, but if we take that then, Leah, so what, I mean, what, what perhaps would be the one or two sort of nuggets of advice that you would give the, you know, the people out there who might be watching this, who recognise a huge amount of what you're saying? What, what coping strategies can we offer them? Okay, the first thing is, Everything that I've talked about today is drawn from what I talk about in burnout. Burnout is chronic workplace stress that's not been successfully managed. 2020 is a big tick on that. If we remove the personal stigma and look at it through the lens that burnout happens when we work too hard for too long with too little care and reward, it is a logical outcome. Therefore, it's not personal failing. It's not a matter of personal fragility. It's a matter of the culture we're in right now. And therefore, there is nothing wrong with me if I'm saying this is a problem. And frankly, with everything we've just talked about, it would be slightly worrying if nobody was struggling with some of this stuff. So take the personal fragility out of it. Yes, our egos are bound up in it. Yes, we worry, we fear. But saying, hey, there's a burnout issue here is very different to, hey, I'm struggling as a person. They are different and anybody hopefully who has ever had a conversation around this understands the difference that this is functional this is about input and output right so trying as much as possible to remove the personal stigma and then to speak you don't necessarily have to speak to your manager if they don't understand you don't necessarily have to you know speak to your family but speak to someone speak to your colleagues about what you're experiencing because the moment one person does speak it gives permission to everybody else many years ago i did this where we can't quite do this this 
this time of year but we used to as a team go to starbucks on a friday and that was where we were allowed to vent it all out vent it over a venti basically um we were allowed to rant and rave and call people names and what happened is after five or ten minutes of that everything dissipated because the valve was released but it also meant that we started looking for solutions because lawyers are inherent problem solvers the moment you start to talk the moment you start to open up to someone you start fixing the problem because that's just what we do you start seeing connections you didn't see before so it's not a personal problem it's not you struggling because you can't do it of course you can do it you've been doing it for ages it's about the situation we're in right now that means you're not alone speak ask for training support just ask for everybody to down tools for 10 minutes over a zoom call and eat cake whilst we all cry into our coffees maybe whatever it might be create that connection because the moment you create that connection and open up just a smidge everybody else will as well and we all start fixing things but the longer we sit in silence the more difficult that becomes oh Leah, that's that? really really interesting Stu, what do you think in sort of in conclusion yeah it, it is such an interesting subject and like you said earlier and we, we could talk about this all day long and, and some of the stuff you've, you've said today i think would be really really helpful for the industry as a whole certainly some of my staff i know would, would you know gain massive value at some of the comments you've made and i think you're quite right i suppose we all define ourselves um in, in terms of what we do especially in the workplace obviously so it's you know it's a difficult one when when things aren't right but i, I find the, the statistics you've just read out incredible you know 30 percent anxiety 20 percent depression 18 percent insomnia when you look at it like that i suppose there's no wonder we are where we are no. No. well leah that's just hugely hugely helpful and interesting and you know i'm just so delighted that you have um come on to convincing matters to talk to us um as i say we could fight i could listen to you all day so um thanks ever so ever so much um uh, we've got your details and we'll sort of you know we'll put them out so um if anybody wants to get in touch with you obviously i'm i'm sure you'd uh, you'd, you'd welcome the opportunity to to chat to them um, yeah, but um, and I have a suspicion that we might get you back, Leah, because uh, I'm sure there's just a million other things we could talk to you about. So, uh, so thanks ever so much for joining us. Thank you. Take care. Thanks a lot.